Welcome back into the Future Sox Roundup. My name is Mike Rankin. I'm your host. We have Elijah Evans alongside us. It's good to talk to you again, Elijah. We have a lot to get to again this week. What we do here on the Roundup, if you're not familiar, is we cover standout performances of the Chicago White Sox affiliates, players within the organization doing their thing. We'll recap some of the highlights there with clips courtesy of the affiliates, the broadcasters, as well as kind of give you an update on where the standings are in the Chicago White Sox affiliates. Before we get to Elijah, let's talk about the Charlotte Knights at 31 and 35. Our guy Jeff Cohen in Charlotte has been running a theme on futuresox.com. If you read his articles weekly, you'll notice there's a little section in there always asking, will the Knights play 500 baseball this year? Will they eclipse 500 baseball this year? Well, at this point, 31 and 35, they take, take a little bit of fall over the last couple of weeks. We'll get a little bit more in depth about that's on the Future Sox podcast, by the way, which you can listen to every Tuesday that we drop this episode. I should say this show, the Roundup, gets dropped every weekend. So Saturday, Sunday, it'll be in your inbox. Make sure you're subscribed, by the way, to the Future Sox podcast because you'll get all of it. It's draft season. There's so much to get to. I digress. Let's get back to what we have on tap today as we continue looking down the standings within the affiliates, the Birmingham Barons. It's been a tough year for Birmingham, and I'll get Elijah's opinion on the Barons too here in a second. But 20 and 40, the Winston Salem Dash, the Advanced Day affiliate, Chicago White Sox 32 and 25, the Canapolis Cannibalers 32 and 28. Very representative of solid quality baseball in the single A level. We have a lot of highlights for the single A affiliates. That's both the Dash. And the Cannonballers, we also have a highlight of a specific prospect that we are super high on, and it's Brian Ramos. We'll get to that. But first, since we you know bring up Brian Ramos, Elijah, let's kick it off. Looking at the Barons, not to throw you a curveball here, what is it about their season that has shown us, man, 20 and 40 is just a little underwhelming overall? Yeah, the Barons are almost like the transactional roster of the White Sox. Um, it's been a bit of a mess in terms of getting roster stability, and I think when you have that at the minor leagues, it can often lead to you know a record that looks like they're really bad. But there's a lot of talented players in Birmingham. Um, it's just it's kind of this ground where we have a lot of young, exciting guys that are starting to break out and get going at the lower levels. You know, in Birmingham, you've got. Brian Ramos and Colson Montgomery, probably the White Sox top two prospects, but Montgomery's been hurt all year. Ramos is just getting back into his groove after being hurt for the first part of the year. So the combination of injuries to top prospects and just a lot of the more exciting players that are working their way up in the two single A levels um, that has led to Birmingham just being kind of this middle ground. And then you've got Charlotte where you've got a very, a handful of guys that have gone up and down back and forth from the White Sox all season with all the injuries the Sox have dealt with. So it Birmingham just kind of that middle ground where you've got a few exciting prospects, some that have been hurt. And then you've also got a good amount of players that aren't necessarily guys you're looking at for, for long-term major league success. They're just a little bit older in the prospect ranks. So they're hanging out in Birmingham. Yeah. I think that's very well said because, you know, we celebrate the low minors this year. And it's a great thing because so much of what the White Sox have invested in have come within the last couple of draft class. And so many of those players are participating in Winston-Salem and Kannapolis. And some, like you mentioned, and especially the top prospects that we're looking at, are making their debuts in Birmingham, especially across their full season. So talk about young prospects playing up to the competition. And as well as when you look at the pitching staff, it's an aggressive assignment for Christian Mena. Statistically, not exactly what you're looking for. But it's just one example of, you know, a guy at 20 years old pitching in Birmingham. We discussed this a little bit with with Ben Badler and Carlos Colazzo and Bill Mitchell as well on the Future Sox podcast. There's so much insight from our guests. So I definitely recommend 
you going back and listen to those if you haven't yet. But that's a good point, Elijah. I think it is a, a very transitional type of roster that we're looking at in terms of the talent getting their first taste in Birmingham and versus, you know, we're looking at the low minors right now in single A, guys knocking on the door. And, you know, before we get to that point, here's just a bit of a rundown of the players that we're going to break down on this episode today. That includes Noah Schultz. He's starting again, making multiple outings here. We have to celebrate that. Peyton Paulette in Kannapolis continues to do his thing. We'll get more in depth there. Tim Elko mashes Kannapolis. Cole Seamus, a right-handed pitcher participating in Winston-Salem, doing his thing. Brian Ramos, like we mentioned, and Tommy Sommer. So we'll get to all of that on this episode here today. But let's begin in Kannapolis. We have some highlights, courtesy of Dan Elodi and the Kannapolis Cannonballers. This is Noah Schultz doing his thing. One, two. Swing and a miss at the plate. He struck him out. Got him with an off-speed pitch as Noah Schultz picks up his first punch out of the night. All right, Elijah, you had to bring uh, Noah Schultz back into the equation. What about his last outing and the outings further that leave you optimistic about this left-handed pitcher? It's just, it's great to see. I mean, we talked about this in, after his first start. It's just the biggest thing is seeing him healthy on the mound. This guy's potential is through the roof. We know that. Sox fans know that. We knew that when we drafted him last year. People are excited about him, and for good reason. And the biggest thing is seeing him on the mound, seeing his command working, and just getting him more and more reps on the mound. He's two starts now, has allowed one hit in two starts, not a single walk, so one base runner in his first two starts, which I know it's only two innings each, but like it, you can tell with the way he's pitching. He's commanding the zone. He's working his pitches where he wants to work them. He's get, he's forcing guys into his situations, right? I mean, you saw in this last start, he had a really quick first inning. Second inning, there was guys battling a little more. He was getting deeper in counts, but when he gets deeper in those counts, he has multiple offerings he trusts to go to when he needs a good pitch, when he needs a strike and that is just allowing him to make to look I mean he he looks better than the guys he's facing and that's I, I that's I know that sounds a little bit hyperbolic to some degree and I, I get he's 19 and he's young and he's gonna have struggles there's gonna be days where he gets hit and it's it's gonna happen eventually but right now he looks better than the hitters he's facing every at bat he's had so far he just is a really confident pitcher the way he pitches and you can tell that he's just he's, the talent is just starting to get going for him he's got even more than this that's what's crazy you know he he's showing that that two seam that's working great he worked a little bit more of the change up this past start he, we know he has a slider that's consistently good he's he's got the stuff he's starting to hone in on it he's getting comfortable he's going to get more and more comfortable and every start i see him pitch i just want to see more and that's exactly what you want from a top prospect yeah and we're as we monitor the development of noah schultz we have to understand what the white Sox plan is and if you notice over the last i should say his first two starts limiting the pitch count keeping an eye on his innings and uh, we expect him to make another outing this weekend as we record this he has yet to make his third start but we anticipate that coming and it's just a trend to for us to monitor, from the White Sox perspective, for us to monitor his health by going up and down every fifth day or even across extended days, whatever, if they want to stretch that to seven, it's important to know that Noah Schultz is making every start. So that's step one. Step two, after making consecutive outings without issue, is to up the pitch count a little bit. So we're going to watch that. And that's part of the reason why we want to provide some updates on Noah Schultz weekly is to give you, the listener, you know, the insight of what the White Sox are trying to do with this prospect. 
Yeah, and they're they're going to take their time, right? I mean, we saw these last two these first two starts have been exactly twenty nine pitches each. He had a cap around thirty; it worked perfectly. He got two innings both starts with within thirty pitches, which is again great to see. He's commanding, he's getting the counts, he's attacking, he's doing what he needs to do while keeping that pitch count low. I'd love to see him go up to forty. You know, he's he's been at thirty pitches as a as a soft limit per se, and I'd love to see him get up to forty this next start. I think that's realistic. Going ten up would be definitely possible soon. You know, three innings, forty pitches, somewhere around there um, and then just continuing the slow build I think they're going to take it one step at a time I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if there's one more start with the 30 pitch limit and then you go up a little bit mm-hmm. um, but I, I just think in general you know they're going to take their time there's no reason not to he is 19 years old we got to remember that I yeah. mean this guy is super young he's out of high school last year he was already a, he was a young high scorer last year so so he's he's got time there's no reason to rush him and with the talent that we've seen it's just about a slow steady increase but every time I watch him I get more and more excited so it's it's definitely a guy everybody should be paying attention to if you don't already know that you should know that um, because he is he has a real chance to be a stud for this pitcher well it's just so fun to be alongside the rock you know just sit back relax and strap it down as hawk harrelson would say just enjoy watching what we expect the sky is the limit uh, attached to this prospect going through the professional development you're going to see struggles you're going to see the way he excels it's just so much fun to if you love baseball to follow a guy like this because they don't come around too often and we want to stress that but it's very very well put there by elijah as we continue to move on and um evaluate more prospect we'll stick pitching here and stay in Canapolis because Dan Elodi has been around watching Peyton Paulette let's throw it to Dan as he kind of gives us a little update on Peyton Paulette it's Paulette's 2-2 swimming a miss at the plate threatening for the first time all night a 1-2 from Paulette curveball in there ring him up got him looking called strike three from Myrtle Beach leads six to four Paulette's 1-2 is hacked and foul tipped in the middle of the catcher Talk to me a little bit here, Elijah, because when you look at the stats, do they jump off the page yet? Yeah, what about Peyton Paulette's numbers this year? Look, 10 starts coming off Tommy John, didn't pitch at all last year. He's got 10 starts now this season. Uh, That's one thing, but looking at the stats and looking at the video, what is it about Peyton Paulette that jumps out to you? When you look at the numbers at first, I don't think the numbers are going to be anything that jumps out as like incredible. You know, he's got about a strikeout an inning. He's got 31 strikeouts across 31 and a third innings. He's got his 10 starts. He's not throwing a ton of innings. I think that still has to do with the Tommy John. They're still limiting him a little bit. He hasn't gone more than four innings in any of his starts. I would like to see that come towards the end of the season, especially given a little bit more advanced age for Paulette. You want to see him continue to ramp that up, get to, you know, a true five, six inning type pitcher um, at some point later in the year, even to next year. But I know they're going to be cautious with him coming off the surgery. But it's just it's just continued growth in his pitches that I'm liking watching. Every start he's taken, he hasn't had a bad start since. I mean, he hasn't really had a blow up start all season. Actually, he did. He had one start in the beginning of May um, where he didn't make it out of the first inning, just couldn't quite locate. Ended up giving three runs in the first and was pulled. Other than that, he's been pretty solid in every start. Um, for him, it's really just continuing to hone in on that command. You know, he he had two walks his last outing, uh, three walks the one before that. So it's still a bit shaky at times. But for Paulette. He, he's able to really dissect with his fastball. That's kind of his game. Um, he puts it all over the place. He's got the breaking ball that can be really effective when he's locating it. And it's just continuing to watch him work on that pitch location and work on the development of his stuff to be able to get swing and miss more often. He's got four strikeouts his last each of his last three starts, You know, somewhere between three and four innings most of those starts. 
and has been just getting slowly better and better. Every outing, he looks a little more comfortable. He's locating that fastball a little all over the zone. This last start, you know, he had he was really pinpointing with that riding fastball in different corners of the zone and just continuing to work on his pitchability, get everything going. And the biggest thing, just like with Schultz, stay on the mound mm-hmm. and see him pitch. And that's been great. To that point, 31 and a third innings across 10 starts. Now, that may not jump out to you, but... In six of those 10 starts, he pitched into the fourth inning. And it's something, yep. you know, that may be a minute detail, but to me, it's everything because, you know, I think there is a pretty hard limit to what Peyton Paulette can do um, in terms of what the White Sox want to see out of him this year. They're really going to slow play, not exactly like Noah Schultz. You know what I'm saying, Elijah? Because I think they're going to let him, yeah. I, I, you know, I know you're recovering from a major surgery, but. Elijah, you've played baseball, and the idea of a pitcher not having to go out there and stress himself out over a full season, I feel like makes such a difference in terms of how you just feel as a baseball player. Coming, yeah. You take a year off, you're rehabbing, you can really focus on getting stronger and filling out a professional bill now with the White Sox organization. And the way that they're deploying him, monitoring the pitch limit, monitoring the innings, but he's going out and pitching every fifth day. And I just feel like he is in such a good spot physically, at least at what we're seeing so far, that it leads you to believe that this is going to be a successful season for him. The other thing that comes with, you know, having a year off is he's, you can tell he's developed the mental side as well. And that is a huge part of pitching that I wish we talked about even more. And it's hard to talk about when you don't know these guys as well and you haven't talked to them and you haven't picked their brain, but that is a huge factor, and especially coming off of surgery, having to adjust the way he pitches a little bit, learn the professional level at a different rate than other people. You know, he's got a, is a little bit more, you know, he's a college arm. They want to get him as much as they're taking time with him. You don't want to waste some time with Peyton Blood. He's a guy that we, we want to make an impact sooner than later. But he, you can see that he's taken the time to work on his pitching, not just from a physical standpoint. And him being healthy and on the mound allows him to really work on the mental side of his game and his plan of attacking hitters. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It makes all the difference in the world. And look, I'm a huge fan of Peyton Paulette. So seeing him pitch all the time, that's sign number one that it's going to be great. Sign number two is that the White Sox are confident in letting it ride. And then I just like how they're taking it easy monitoring the pitch limit, monitoring the innings, and that'll continue. And and that's sort of where we're at as White Sox fans monitoring the Chicago White Sox organization, their farm system, is you have to be patient because 
it's frustrating to see the big league club struggle and you want these, you know, they're highly touted prospects to make an impact at the big league level. It's just, they're not at the triple a double a level yet, yet, but that's why we're covering the low minors and highlighting the significance of some of these performances. And one of the players that is close when we've been saying it for weeks to a promotion, at least it seems is Tim Elko who continues to mash. Here's more from Dan Elodia, the Canapolis Cannonballers. First pitch on the way. Elko towers this one high and deep into center field. Looking up his Lipscomb warning track wall. It's off the batter's eye and out of here. 12th homer on the year for Tim Elko. And he continues his Carolina League crown here in this 2023 season. A big time home run, 108 miles an hour off the bat of Tim Elko. This one's lifted high and deep. Left field backtracking is Brown. He looks up, warning track wall, and is out of here. It's a three-hit day, and it's a two-run shot for Tim Elko. Make it 13-5. Canapolis on top. Elko with his 13th home run on the season. Still leading the Carolina League. He's got the crown. How about another two-run blast for Tim Elko? He's now got 47 RBI on the season. I mean, look at the slash line of Tim Elko in single A. It's low A. He's outperforming the competition. He's older and tw at 24. But this guy continues to hit the ball a long way. I mean, can I get some Tim Elko in Winston-Salem? Uh, that, that's all I got to say. Uh, I'm just, I'm ready to see it. I, I think, I, I get it. He's had a little strikeout issues. Sure. But when a guy is slashing what he's slashing right now, I mean, he's got a 543 slugging percentage uh, at Lillo at the single A level, 14 home runs, 12 doubles. He's just he's just crushing the ball. And it's it's beyond just the homer numbers and the power numbers. He just hits the ball incredibly hard. Every time I see Tomelko hit a ball in play, it's smoked half the, at least half the time. Um, so I'm just, I mean, I think there is some discipline and some approach issues he's going to need to work on, but I'd rather see him work on that at the high level at this point. Um, he's proven all he needs to against the pitching at single A in Kannapolis. And he just, he's, I mean, he continues to mash. His numbers are crazy. He got a little bit of a slow period um, about a month ago. You know, he had a crazy hot start. He went through a week or two where he slowed down a little bit, cooled off, and then he just started getting hot again recently and then just destroying the ball again. I mean, it's just, it's, he's continuing this rate. It hasn't changed. He's doing it day in and day out. And he needs to, we need to see him at a higher level. He's 24 years old. He's destroying baseballs. And I, I just want to see him keep elevating and see what he can do. Yeah. It's just, again, a guy out of Ole Miss, right. And I, I think that matters when you're spending that much time in the NCAA, you know, spending four years there and then getting a taste of Kannapolis in his draft season, then beginning the year this season at the same level. I think he's shown exactly what the White Sox were hoping to see out of this power hitting slug because you figured he was going to come into the league and mash right in the professional level and just mash based on his profile at Ole Miss. Now, when you look at him in Kannapolis, the strikeouts do jump out at you, but I agree wholeheartedly it's time to take that next step and see how he can adjust. I wonder what type of roster shuffling the White Sox have planned because of everything going on in Birmingham and, and the success that we're seeing in Winston-Salem. And speaking of Winston-Salem, not to just totally shift the conversation here, but we have to on uh, the Future Sox Roundup, let's talk about Cole Seamus. This is a guy that went undrafted and continues to rise the ranks in the White Sox farm system. Let's hear a little bit more about Cole Seamus, courtesy Andrew Murphy in the Winston-Salem Dash. The 1-2 pitch, swing and a miss. The 2-2, swing and a miss, struck him out. 
3-2. Swing and a miss. The throw to second. Tag applied. Got him. Elijah, what do you like? This was a great start from Seamus, and we, we've talked about him before, and he had a few a little bit more shaky starts recently, uh, but this past start was like everything that you want to see from Cole Seamus. The type of pitcher he is, he the command was great. He didn't walk a single person in this last start. You're really starting to see all of that come together. Um, I know, again, the numbers don't look great, and, and this is why it's, it's really hard to look at the general slash lines of guys at this level with the limited amount of innings they're pitching, especially for pitchers, and say, you know, what what do we think from them? Because he had a start a few weeks ago. He gave up eight runs and didn't even get out of the second inning. That's going to balloon your stats, right? He had to give up seven runs in May and one start, give up eight runs in this first start of June. So those two starts in themselves make him have the six ERA that he has right now. But he's not a six ERA pitcher. Don't let that fool you. Um, Seamus's stuff is really coming together. This last start, you saw all of the things you wanted to see from him. With no walks, with eight strikeouts, he's commanded, he commanded the zone great his entire start. He's got this riding, kind of almost rising type fastball that he throws that I am just so enamored with the type of fastball that he throws right now and the way he was locating it. This past start, I believe six of the eight strikeouts that we heard about from Simas were with that fastball, and they were mostly high. It's the way he's able to – he sets up stuff down low, and he attacks the top of the zone at the end of the bat, and that is where he's really found his success in a few of his starts this year where he's able to set up all of his stuff, work with his off-speed pitches, and then just – come at people with those high corner fastballs and seven strikeouts his last start eight strikeouts to start before it's you're getting in a stretch and a rhythm for him where when he's locating and he's able to set up all his pitches and then dominate with those high fastballs especially it's really effective and i think he's just a quality pitcher every time you watch him pitch he just he knows how to pitch and, and that is such a it's I, I don't know that there's no numbers i'm using to back that up this is an eye test thing for me mm-hmm. but there's some guys you watch at regardless of what level whether it's professional whether it's high school whether it's college minor leagues whatever and you just they're a, you know they're a smart pitcher and they're just good at knowing how to pitch and that is how i feel watching cole Seamus. and i think as he continues to find that command a little bit more each start like he did this last one. This was his first start without a walk all season. As he continues to hone in on that, the strikeout stuff is going to ramp up even more and remain every single start we're going to be seeing six, seven, eight strikeouts as opposed to, you know, a little spotty up and down here and there. And it's just, it's continuing to get better. I don't, there, there's going to be bad starts. He still has some things to figure out, but I love the direction he's heading. And this last start was his best of the season, in my opinion. When you mentioned just the eye test and knowing that a pitcher can pitch, I get that feeling watching Jonathan Cannon. Uh, and it, yep. it's a point well taken because 57 strikeouts and 42 and a third for Cole Seamus so far. And it, look, 23 years old, pitching at Winston-Salem, he started there and he's still there. And he's made, what, nine starts and, and 10 appearances. So this is a guy that you know, we have high expectations for based on the, the ascension that he had as he was dra- uh, signed as an undrafted free agent. And he just continues to prove the White Sox that he's got the stuff. It's it's a tough level for him to pitch at right now. It's his first time doing it at a full capacity, a full season. Was part of the Double A Birmingham project last year. So the White Sox clearly think highly of Cole Seamus. So it's important that we bring it to the air on the roundup. As we move on, we got two more players that we want to cover on this episode. One is somebody that you may be familiar with. Take it away, our friend Kurt Bloom in Birmingham, the Double A Barons. A three and one. That's swung on and slugged out to left center field and deep. It might go. It is Gonzo Ramos' home run. His first. 
Brian Ramos homered. Yeah, that's got to be exciting for Ramos. And I, I really am not uh, worried about him in any way. It has been a bit of a slow start since he came to Birmingham. He hit one home run when he was rehabbing in Kannapolis um, and then has since returned to Birmingham. And this is his first homer with Birmingham this year. Uh, but he's, you know, it, the power is so easy for him. Mm-hmm. You, you watch him swing and this type of swing and a lot of the swings he took last year that we saw from him. And it's just, it's such easy, natural power. He's swinging the bat and it's it's not... It's not like he has a guy, he's a guy that's ever going to have to sell out for homers. It doesn't look like he's chasing a home run when he's hitting home runs, right? It's he, He's got a fluid swing. He hits line drives. He keeps it on a line, and sometimes he, he just runs into them almost. And this one, it was one where I just you just watch him swing, and you're like, that ball is just it's gone. You can kind of tell, and it's just he just ran into it and got it in the exact – the timing was perfect, and it, and it went. And that's – you're going to see a lot more of that from, from Ramos, and I, I don't really have any doubt it's going to start to come. It's just it's been a little bit of a slow start for sure, and he's he's getting there slowly but surely. Um, it's taken him some time, but I I'm not too worried, and I, I think before you know it, he's going to start to to really get going, and we're going to see a lot more of what we saw last year. Well, it's a guy you know relative to the age of competition, still young in Double A, and also you think about his return to Double A. You know, pitchers are already sort of in season, and their their stuff is ticked up a little bit versus where they may have been at the beginning of the season. Or I could be wrong. I just feel like. When pitchers get into that rhythm, they have the advantage against a hitter, especially who, you know, is seeing live pitching at that level consistently for the first time all year. Getting a late start and does a little bit for you, but now he's starting to settle in. We'll let Brian Ramos do his thing because we're huge fans at Future Sox. We ranked him as the second ranked prospect on our top 30. Or maybe that was Oscar Colas, I forget. But he's in the top three, that's for sure. We think highly of Brian Ramos. We also think highly of Tommy Sommer. And this is a guy, Elijah, that you've been wanting to bring to the air for a while now. So let's get to Elijah's feature story of the week to wrap up the episode. Tell me a little bit more about this 24-year-old left-handed pitcher. Yeah, Tommy Summer's a fun, a fun pitcher. You know, he's a little more he's he's older, so he's twenty-four. He's a guy that we could he was a college draft pick in twenty twenty one, so he's a tenth rounder. He doesn't have he's more of just, you know, a pitchability guy. He was drafted as just consistent, solid arm out of college. Um he was dominating Winston Salem earlier this year. He was just not getting touched at all, really, in Winston Salem and then quickly got the call to Birmingham at his age. It was it seemed it seemed bound to happen um early in the season. So after just three starts in Winston, he ended up making his way to Birmingham. And he's had a few shaky starts in Birmingham, uh, definitely not amazing the entire time in Birmingham, but still pretty impressive uh, and still just continuing to put things together. It's left-handed arm. The Sox do not have enough left-handed arms. We know that. Um, so it's it's great to see a young lefty in the system, a guy who's got experience. He's been around, another kind of pitchability guy, but it's also just length for him that's been exciting to see. In his last four starts in Birmingham, he's gone at least five innings in all of them. He went seven innings in the start that we just highlighted, um, and then he went six innings again yesterday, actually. So he's just he's just consistently putting it together more, and it's it's really another another guy which with some command issues, and I think that's somewhat of a theme um, in the minor leagues in general, but especially with some of our highlighted pitchers that we talk about a lot. You know, he had six walks in his first start of the month this year, and then his most recent start that we highlighted, he had three walks, so it's just bringing that down a little bit, continuing to locate his pitches. Uh, but it's, it's nice to see a lefty in the system because that's uh, we haven't had much much lefty pitching in the last few years. I know the White Sox haven't had a lefty starter and since Dallas Keuchel, and you know Summers, a guy that can he's a length guy. He's twenty four. He's experienced. I think he's continuing to develop in in Birmingham right now. He should spend most of the year in Birmingham. I wouldn't be surprised to see him make his way up to Charlotte at the end of the year just because of his age and because he's he's a consistent tall lefty. He's got location 
pretty decent. You know, it's spotty here and there. He's got a good pitch mix. So he's a guy that's just a, a fun pitcher to keep an eye on. And I think he could be somebody that we expect to see make an impact um, down the road, especially being a lefty who kind of could work in a multitude of roles based on the way he pitches. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, he spent his career as a starter um, late in his college career. But as we see him as a professional, he's going out and pitching a lot. And to your point about maybe seeing him in Charlotte, it's not out of the question considering the age and his ability to go multiple innings and handle the workload. So this is a guy with a starter's build and from the left side, it's very valuable. And you mentioned, you know, the the lack of left-handed pitching in the White Sox organization period. It's exciting to follow guys like Noah Schultz, of course, but Tyler Schweitzer as well, somebody that we've highlighted on the Future Sox podcast all the time. Elijah, great stuff as always. Always fun to talk and, and do this podcast. Thanks for all the work and all the players that you bring to this episode. It was a lot of fun. Definitely. It's, uh, it's always good. The White Sox, you know, it might not be the prettiest of days right now for the Chicago White Sox, but there's always things to look forward to in the minor league system, and that's why this is so much fun. We give you a chance to kind of break away from the whole whatever that is at the big league level, and we get <laughs> to focus on optimistic things within the system that's happening, and hopefully we'll see the fruits of the labor. Maybe not next year, okay? Patience, patience, patience. It's important, but the draft is coming up. And it's going to impact the way we look at the Chicago White Sox organizational rankings, as well as filtering more talent into the low minors and get them into the pipeline to try and develop into big league players. That's where we're at as White Sox fans right now, celebrating the low minors and trying to dig our way through the tough times at the upper levels in AAA and AA. This is another episode of the Future Sox Roundup. For Elijah Evans, my name is Mike Rankin. We release these episodes on the weekends. We'll have them for you. Make sure you're subscribed. Thanks so much for listening and being a supporter of the Future Sox podcast. We'll talk to you all next week.